Have you been scrolling through many, many, many film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these? Or have you been thinking there's something missing? There's something we're not quite getting. A waffler from Northern England reviewing films, for example. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. No politics, no pandering, no point. I know what you're thinking. Another Halloween sequel. Oh yes. Look, I said when I started this, I would watch films that I'd never seen before and throw in a few favourites every now and again. Is it my fault that they seem to continually be Halloween? Well, I suppose I'm choosing them, so yes. But after I'd seen Halloween 1 and 2, I really wanted to watch this one. Welcome. I've forgotten the name of the show I'm doing. (laughs) Welcome to review it yourself. So, we're doing Halloween 2018. So, I I bought this yesterday from from an actual shop. I actually went out. Because I couldn't be bothered waiting. Online ordering is great, but I couldn't be bothered waiting. So I thought, just get yourself down to HMV and get this DVD. Other uh, other shops are available. And so I've actually got the DVD case. So it's Jamie Lee Curtis returns to her iconic role as Laurie Strode, who comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Master of Horror, John Carpenter, joins forces with director David Gordon Green and producer J- Jason Bloom in brackets Get Out or Split for this follow-up to Carpenter's 1978 classic. Eh, bit of a by-the-book numbers. By-the-book numbers? Whatever. Um... Quite a straightforward blurb on the back there. Anyway, so it starts off. We've got some quite um, ethereal type music. And then the opening title begins. The, the font look exactly like the original Halloween. And we also have a homage to the pumpkin, the classic pumpkin opening. Whereas in this, the pumpkin is rotten and then it time reverses and it becomes whole again which is really cool visual actually and apparently they, they literally did that by getting a real pumpkin and filming it until it rotted which is i thought i'd done cgi so respect to them for actually doing that taking the time to do that and it starts off so we're in smith's grove rehabilitation center and the guards well the doctor sorry is explaining to these two podcasters um, like true crime podcasters that um, Michael Myers has, you know, been there 40 years and he's, he's not uttered a word. And uh, this doctor, Dr. Uh, Ranbir Sartain, he was a student of Dr. Loomis um, before he passed away. And you do see parallels between Dr. Sartain and Dr. Loomis. So he calls him pure evil. 
well, he sorry, Sartain calls Michael pure evil and says that Dr. Loomis was the only person to see him in the wild. Obviously not behind any kind of bars. And this comes into play later. And the doctor says, you know, you can speak, but he just chooses not to. And they see him outside, um, Michael Myers, and he, he has his back to them. And they try to get him to talk. They're in this courtyard surrounded by other other prisoners. Well, I say prisoners. Other patients, sorry. Um, in these kind of... They've got a line of like a yellow box that the prisoners are in. The prisoners, I've done it again. Patients are in. And they, he says, don't go over that line. And they're both the British, which is a bit odd. Well, it's not odd, but uh, anyway, in the middle of America and whatever. And... They say we've got something, Michael. We've we've borrowed something from the Attorney General's office. Because at this point, I wasn't sure whether there were kind of reporters or journalists. Because if you're a podcaster, I mean, the, the actually tell a lie. I mean, if the massive podcaster has got a very popular show, they might be able to do it. How are you going to borrow something from the Attorney General? <coughs> you know, you you can't just stroll up and borrow evidence, surely. But I'll let I'll let it go. Yeah, and they've got. Michael Myers mask. They've got the famous William Shatner mask. And Michael has a slight head tilt to the left, but that's it, like a slight flick, and then it's gone. Blink and you'd miss it. But the other patients and the dog, there's a dog there, like a guard dog, they all start going absolutely, they all start going mad. You know, and people are kind of screaming, and because obviously the 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 uh, the patients so they've got mental illnesses or and you know the this guy's trying to get a reaction from him you know say something say something and then the pre-title sequences uh, pre-title sequence begins uh the title sequence begins so there's like a an, a pre-title sequence there and I felt that that rotten pumpkin was like a metaphor for the Halloween series, how it started off really, really scary and then eventually it had become almost silly, you know, becoming a lot more about supernatural and curses and stuff like that. And this this one is trying to get back to where the original was. Not, not to copy it per se, but to, to do a homage to it. To celebrate everything that was great about the original. I mean, I liked Halloween too, but I tried to watch Halloween three and four and just couldn't get into them. In fact, I watched half an hour of Halloween four: The Return of Michael Myers, which which has Donald Pleasance in it as Doctor Loomis, but I wasn't in the mood for that. Just too slow, too slow, and not in a tension building way. In a kind of yeah, this is boring me kind of way. But, you know, we've all got our opinions, haven't we, just? And, you know, that the series had lost its way and that they were, you know, they were trying to get it back to something frightening, you know, take it back to basics. And you can see that how these podcasters talk, they, they treat Michael, you know, like an animal. So they're, they're Diana and Aaron. And I thought that these guys were going to be kind of main characters in it. But no, they don't last long, don't worry. And 
you see Laurie Strode and she's living in kind of a compound. It's essentially a compound. There's gates everywhere. But she's got more security around her than he has. And you know, there's massive strobe lights on top of the house. There's shutters. There's deadbolts. There's, there's absolutely all sorts. There's big bars across the doors as well. Like security bars that you slot down. And you, ah, that, that's it. So you find out in the beginning part, the doctor says, you know, it'll be your last time to to talk to try and talk to Michael before he's transferred to another facility that's not as open that you get the impression it's not it's not as nice. And you know um the podcasters turn up at Laurie Strode's house and the guy's trying to be very much like, oh we know we need your help and he's trying to be very kind of explaining things in a uh, what's the right way of putting it? Well, he's just, he, you know, he's talking a lot of faff. He's like, you know, we'd like to get into the mind of blah, blah, the victim, blah. And, and, and the woman's just like, leans out the window and she's like, how how does $3,000 sound? And then Laurie obviously lets them in. And you can see she's, you know, she's traumatised and she she says there's nothing to learn. You know, the, 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 you know, the boogeyman. And he says, I believe in the deranged serial killer Michael Myers, but he's a human. And she's like, you, you don't understand. And she kicks them out. Um, I'm surprised she doesn't kick them out sooner because the guy's really trying to kind of goad her a little bit and say, you know, two failed marriages, a rocky relationship with your daughter and granddaughter. You know, or they took your daughter away when she was 12, didn't they? And when did you get her back? And he's like, I never got her back. And you know that. Laurie says that, sorry. And, you know, Laurie says, you know, he murdered five people. He's he's not a human to understand. And so you gather from this that they're, they're, they're retconning everything except the original Halloween. No Halloween 2. Or any of the others. And then obviously she asks them to leave. Then we meet Alison, who's Laurie's granddaughter. Who seems to be quite close to a gran actually. And she takes kind of the the role that Laurie took in the in the original Halloween. So she's like the young one and one of her friends is a babysitter, the other one the other lad's quite daft. And she says the, the granddaughter, obviously it's her birthday, and she says, Oh, is, is grandma coming? And her daughter says, No, no, I spoke to her. She, she can't make it, sorry. And you, the granddaughter's like, oh, okay. And then the granddaughter says to her friends, no, she's, she's lying. My mum's lying, I know she is. I spoke to my gran. You know, and, and the mum's very standoffish. Obviously, she got taken out of Laurie's care when she was 12. You, you hear my rants later. And she, she kind of not happy about it all. And says, you know, she's agoraphobic. She, she doesn't like leaving the house. Which, but, Laurie does leave the house anyway. And there's some funny dialogue in, in here when Alison's talking to her friends and her friend says, well, wasn't Michael Myers her brother? And she's like, no, no, somebody just made that up, you know, to try and make it interesting, which I thought was quite funny, given that John Carpenter, who's like an executive producer on this, 
he he added that into the Halloween too because he was rushing to write it and he wanted to give Michael more motivation. But in any in, if anything, it dilutes. We don't want motivation. We don't want. I don't anyway. I don't think we do. As an audience, I think you just you want Michael Myers. You, there's no talking him round. There's no explaining why he goes after people. He just he's just on a rampage. And our friends are Vicky and Dave, and you know it, it almost got a little bit not in a bad way, but it it knows the film knows what it is, knows what it's trying to go for, and it it, it puts humour in there that I wasn't expecting. So there's a bit where Dave says, you know, oh, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, he killed a few people because in the in the in the reality of this film, they call them the babysitting murders. And this Dave character, obviously, he's a young lad, he says, well, he says, well, is it really that big a deal? You know, I mean, he killed a few people. It happens all the time. Why, why is everyone so hung up on it? And I did like that, that, that they showed the differences between the generations. And it reminded me of that line, was it from Scream 3 or Scream 4? Where... What's his name? Dewey says, um, one, one generation's tragedy is the next generation's joke. Not that that character's making a joke out of it, but he's just kind of contextualising it a little bit. Because obviously for us, the audience, and for, for the people involved in it at the time, it's this massive, you know, seminal moment in this quiet, you know, I shouldn't say Midwestern, but I don't know if it's Midwestern. I'm not good with geography in terms of America. Apologies. Uh, in this quiet American town, you know, Haddonfield, you know, things that don't really happen there. And then they did. So anyway, Laurie goes to see her granddaughter and gives her the $3,000 that they've got from, that she got from the, the podcasters. And there's a scene where there's this, only because I watched it what, about a week ago, there's a lot of ref- ah, reflections, almost kind of yeah, almost reflected shots of the original. So when uh, Alison's in her classroom, you know, it's it, it's very very similar to the way it looks in the original Halloween when Laurie's in the classroom and when Alison looks out, it's not unlike the original where Laurie sees Michael, she sees Laurie, obviously waiting for her. And it was it was it was a good flashback to the original. And you know Laurie says to her granddaughter, you know, she's prepared your mother, she you know because you you gather from shots you see shots being the operative word, Laurie is, is a is a crack shot, you know, she's got this uh, like firing range set up at a compound. You gather through bits that she raised her daughter a little bit like Sarah Connor raised John Connor till he got taken off her, trying to prepare her for if Michael ever came back because she truly believes he will. And, you know, her, her granddaughter says to me, you've got to say goodbye to Michael and get over it. And that, that also where you see that generational disconnect with the tragedy, that kind of look, it's 40 years going to get over it. 
it's gone. You, know, you need to get over your life. You're traumatized. You need to, you know, start living your life. But she can't. And there was a lovely nod to Dr. Loomis. Where the, the podcasters have got, obviously, got all this information. They must have an insider in them. Uh, what, what do they call it in America? The Attorney General. And um, sorry if you can hear that noise. Somebody's uh, <laughs> the window cleans are here. And <laughs> I wondered what that noise was. <laughs> here I'm talking about Halloween and I hear somebody knocking on the outside of my window. Even though I'm, you know, I'm up a level. I'm on the first floor. And uh, you hear a tape of Dr. Loomis. Who I thought was actually, I thought it was a, an archive recording of, of Donald Pleasance, but it's not. It's like a impersonator saying, you know, I recommend termination. And that he believes that Michael should be, should be killed. And that's a lot of door slamming in here today, isn't it? And obviously... The, the doctor uh, decides to stay with uh, on the bus with Michael when he's getting transferred. Which I thought was a bit weird. I thought, well, why would he go on the bus? He's just going to be sat next to him. He doesn't talk or anything. And Laurie, um, you see Laurie outside. She's having one of those miniature bottles of vodka, I presume. Or whatever it is. She's got a gun. She's outside in the car and the... the the hospital bus pulls out and you, you think she's going to kill Michael. That's what she's there for. And she can't do it. She, she screams. And then we see, lo and behold, the bus is bit, the bus is off the road, but it's not crashed. There's just, you see this, uh, he's not the sheriff. <clears throat> A deputy pulls up and there's just, um, there's patients all over the road, like walking around, not like slat, not like scattered or splattered on the road, just walking about. And sorry for the sniffing. And you see that. Oh yes, yeah, so, no, sorry, it's not. It's not a cop. Sorry, it's a. It's a little boy, I don't know, nine or ten, with his dad. And that was some good dialogue as well, where the dad's like, you know, some were going to go shooting, and the kids like, but dad, you know. I'm, I like hunting, it's not bad, but I love dance class. I thought that was quite good. So then, obviously, the dad says, oh, I'm going to get out of the car. Okay, we're back after a quick tea break there. So, yeah, I, I like the dialogue between the, the son and the dad. It was, it was very realistic. It was, and it, no, it's, it's one of the times in this film where it really plays against your expectations. You know, the, I thought the characters are very, very well drawn. And anyway, so the dad says, I'll stay here to the kid. And the dad goes out and you think, oh, you're not going to come back. And he doesn't. And the kid goes out and obviously takes his gun with him because they're going hunting. And he looks around and you think, where's Michael? And he goes into the bus. And the doctor pops up, and obviously the kid panics and shoots the doctor. And I thought he'd hit him right in the heart, but it's kind of the, the left shoulder. 
and the kid runs back to the car and tr- goes to start the engine and drive away and Michael Myers pops up and snaps his neck. That was that was pretty rough. I mean, it wasn't... Well, because because there's a, there's a part in the film later where Michael Myers walked past the baby and just like, ignores it. So I, I don't understand why why he kills the kid. The kid's not threatening him. I don't know. It's uh, I've said I've read other reviews where they've said that usually he doesn't he doesn't bother kids because in the original Halloween he just walks past them because obviously there's kids all over the place because it's Halloween and so yes that that's pretty rough and <clears throat> you see the the cops. Uh, oh yeah, they, that's right. So before before the kid gets back in the car, he finds one of the cops, um, who appears dead. Obviously, one of the guards from the bus. And he prods him, and the cop wakes up, and, and his face is all ripped. Well, I don't know if it's ripped a bit. He's blood all over his face, you know. And he's like, "Run, run!" And he tells the kid, "You know, you need to run, get out of here." And then this police officer, well. I think it's what they call him. Officer Hawkins arrives, who's played by, um, I can't remember the actor's name. Hang on a minute. Played by Will Patton, who's in Armageddon. Okay, so Officer Hawkins arrives, and obviously he, he finds the kid's dad dead, and there's he finds the doctor who's been shot. The doctor pops up. I've been shot. I mean, what else are you going to say, really? And he looks like he's pretty much on death's door. And then the title comes up and it says October the 31st. Obviously Halloween. And you can, you can understand why Laurie's daughter is, as she is, cynical and um, very almost dismissive of her mother, Laurie, because you know she said it's taken me years to try and undo the paranoia and the neuroses that my mother projected onto me, and which ultimately got her removed by social care. And you see that the journalists visit um the podcasters. Sorry, I thought they were journalists for ages. Uh, the, the journalists visit Judith Meyer's grave and you see Michael and they're driving back and they stop at a gas station. Now, I thought this was the gas station from the original Halloween, but it's from Halloween 4. Um, it's pretty much identical. And because apparently there's homages to every every Halloween film in this, obviously I've not, I've only seen a few of them. So I don't pick, I didn't pick all those up. And the the she goes to the toilet, the gas station toilet, and then the the guy Aaron's waiting at the uh, at the the counter trying to pay. He's put the fuel in, and you see that the one of the gas station guys who looks like he's asleep said he's like his jaw ripped off. And then there's another guy dead in like the work area. And then Michael 
Well, you, you don't know who it is. I wasn't sure if it was like a double bluff, if it was going to be, you know, some creepy person or staff who's obviously come off a bit of a peek on the woman in the toilet. But it's not. It is Michael. Um, and he, he does this really creepy, but he drops the some teeth, bloody teeth over the stall, and they all, like, clatter on the floor. And then she st- he breaks the door open and starts to attack... Um, the woman podcaster and Aaron comes in and he's he's quite brave to be fair, he knows what he's up against. And he he attacks um Michael to try and save her. And because you and Michael just beats his head against the stall and he bleeds out in the corner and he he chokes the woman, breaks her neck, which is pretty rough. So that, that's them done with. I thought they were going to be main characters, but they're dispatched with pretty quickly. Um, and you, then you see that, you no, know, it goes back to Laurie and, oh, that's it. So he, he gets his mask out of the boat. So he's got his mask back. And the police scanner. So Laurie's got a police scanner. But she starts to pick up something's going on. And you see she's got like a safe room under like a kitchen cupboard. It like electronically moves out of the way. And then she meets the sheriff and says we have to hunt him down. Not the sheriff. The deputy. Will Patton's character. And he says, do you know, I was there that night. But you gather that his sheriff came at the end of the Halloween 1978 and stopped Dr. Loomis from killing Michael. Because in this, you don't see it, but in this chronology, in this timeline, after Michael falls off the balcony and disappears, you gather they captured him again. The police captured him again. And Dr. Loomis tries to kill him because, you know, he believes he's pure evil. And this sheriff, not sheriff, this police officer tries to stop him. Um, What is his name? Anyway. Will Patton's character tries to tries to stop him, but you don't see it. You just hear this in in um, the dialogue throughout. But you you know it's not, it doesn't treat you as stupid. This film either it doesn't f- feed you everything. It doesn't say oh I did this and I did it. It, it drops in little you know little bits every now and again, and you kind of got to work it out. But not too scattered about that you're thinking well I'm not clear what's going on. Can you just be a bit more clear? It, it's a nice balance. And it, it lends itself to, to being quite rewatchable, I feel. I definitely want to watch it again to pick up on the clues throughout. And, you know, obviously he's taken a... They find Michael's patient's gown in the, in the garage. So he's essentially got the same uh, costume he had in the original. Because in that he kills that it's off screen but he kills that um like motor mechanic guy and takes his overalls he's got his overalls he's got his classic mask and the film obviously he goes and then he kills a woman with a hammer he but he leaves the baby alone then he goes and kills another woman stabs her through the neck that was a bit bloody you know it's bloody but not overly so i mean it's bloodier than the original than the original halloween you know, do audiences change? Do you need to have something that's a bit bloody now? Because otherwise it's accused of being, you know, a bit a bit soft. I don't know. But um, 
It, it, it's bloodier than the original, than the original Halloween. But not gratuitously so. Although there, there is, in the second part of the film, there is a lot more kind of gore. And there's a good... Um, there's a good one. This is what I mean about my writing. Good wind-up... Oh, yeah. So there's, there's good banter between um, Alison's friend, Vicky, and this kid that she's that she's um, babysitting for. And um, basically, you, you so she's there, and um, Alison's at this. Uh, what's it called? She's at this like school dance with her boyfriend, who'd met her family earlier. And he's actually the son of the bully in the original um, Halloween, and he's 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 quite drunk. He kisses somebody else and then obviously Alison sees this and goes to walk out and he takes her phone off and throws it in this like punch bowl, which looked like custard. I thought punch was meant to be like a juice with like whatever. And he's quite nasty to her and she just walks off. And this is what I liked again. The, the film's realistic. It's not contrived. The characters are, are well drawn for the most part. Um, and they, you know, they have their own personalities. There's no kind of stereotypical characters thrown in. There's, they all seem to be quite normal, you know. And anyway, so the kid that Vicky, so she leaves the she leaves the dance on her own. So basically, I mean, that sets up in quite a realistic way. How she doesn't have a phone because obviously it's set modern day or 2018. So that allows her to be out of out of contact with people. And then um, it goes back to Vicky and she's babysitting this kid and the kid screams and says, oh, the boogeyman's in the house. Uh, and her boyfriend's outside smoking. Um, and then um, Vicky goes upstairs and the, the, the little kid says, you know, he's in the closet, he's in the closet. And then Vicky looks around the room and says, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then Michael bursts out of one of the cupboards and attacks it and the kid runs off and the kid runs downstairs and says to the boyfriend, don't go up there, you're going to get killed. And the, and you never see the kid again. I don't know where he goes. Anyway. And like, don't in the whole film. You don't see him, he just, just disappears off. This is what I mean about wanting to rewatch it. Because what happened to that kid? And the boyfriend runs upstairs with a big kitchen knife because he's, he's high as a kite. He's been outside smoking, so he's feeling a bit brave. And you're thinking, oh, man, don't do it. But, as, you know, he needs to, you know, he's trying to save his girlfriend. And um, the sheriff goes to the house. I'm going to say sheriff. Never mind. But the sheriff goes, oh, no, no, no. This is the actual sheriff. Sorry. This is the actual sheriff. This isn't Will Patton's character. There's an actual sheriff who goes to the house. There's the telephone going off. God, this has been a very interrupted uh, podcast, this one. Yep, still going off. And Laurie turns up and she shouts at kids and parents, get inside. Obviously, she's got a gun, so they think she's, you know, this you know, this, this dangerous lady with a gun. And you see, so they go into the house. There's a report of a disturbance. They find Vicky's body 
she's like the shape returns. Michael's put her under like a sheet, which looks very much like the shape in the original. And there's a pumpkin in the fish tank. Um, very much like the one of the original killings he did where there was a pumpkin by the bed. And obviously the cops inside seeing this, Will Patton's character, and the Laurie's outside and she sees Michael at the window and she shoots him and it's oh it's a cracking shot but she shot a mirror and obviously then the doctor appears and there's a really really funny bit where Laurie says oh you're the new Loomis so it's quite tongue in cheek at times you know it's saying you know who this guy is but it's actually quite clever because it's a red herring this guy's totally totally different to Loomis as we find out later on and Will Patton's character, the cop says, what, you want me to take this civilian to hunt a serial killer? So it kind of, as much as it's homage in the original, it's kind of making it, it's making a bit of fun of it, like, what, you want me to drag this doctor around? You know, this, is, this is a serial killer, this is a murder investigation. We're trying to, we, we can't have a civilian kicking about with us. But obviously, he, he does, anyway. <laughs> Takes him with him, anyway. And, you know, this doctor's talking about is it a random path is it emotionally driven what is he feeling and this is where you start to see how this guy isn't like loomis loomis saw michael and known him for years as this as evil don't try and understand him you know he's evil and whereas this doctor's very much more trying to figure out you know is is it a random path is he emotionally driven this kind of thing and you know the Will Patton's character is saying, you know, I won't stand in front of justice this time. You know, because he stopped Loomis killing Michael. And then um, you see that, um, what's her face? Alison is making her way home. And then one of her friends, um, he kind of makes a pass at her because he's a bit geeky and he's like, they're obviously, she's just like, I'll go home, you're drunk. And then he gets killed by Michael because it's a really cool scene where he's outside. This is where they make really good use of like why how it's set now. Like the the kids in this, he's like sat outside trying to apologize and she's she's off and she's she's off on her way on her way home. And the the motion sensors go off because he's sat down and then you hear Michael breathing. And he sees this guy, he sees Michael and he's like, oh, sorry, Mr. Whatever the guy's name is. And he says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going now. Because he's quite drunk and he's apologising. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder if Michael's going to leave him alone because he's talking to him like, you know, like a human. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. But no. And it goes off again and Michael's close. You hear him breathing and then basically he attacks the kid. And the kid tries to climb out. Uh, like a spiked fence and he, his face ends up through it which which well kind of his chin so that was pretty that was pretty gruesome it definitely starts to get more bloody in the second half of it and the granddaughter runs to the house runs to houses like laurie did in the original screaming for help and at this point the daughter and the, the not the daughter laurie's daughter sorry and her husband have gone back to Laurie. Have gone to Laurie's house, and the cop. So 
the cop, the cop, the cop. Ah, the cop um, turns up, finds um, Alison because she's, she's ended up at this this person's house. And obviously she's sat outside to give her water, trying to calm her down because she's traumatised. And they're saying, he says to everyone, get inside your houses, get, get the doors locked. And then obviously the doctor's with him. There's the, there's the sheriff. I'm going to say sheriff, forget it. And uh, Alison's in the back and then he sees Michael and runs him over. So that's uh, like a homage to the original, not the original, Scream 2. Not Scream 2, Halloween uh, 2. And Dr. Sartain kills the officer, like stabs him. He's got like a knife in his pen. And you're thinking, what's going on here? I didn't see this coming at all. And Sartain wears Michael's mask and puts Michael in the boat. And you presume that the, the sheriff, or the sheriff's there kind of bleeding out on the road because he's been stabbed in the neck and I think the stomach somewhere. And the doctor says, you know, ah, oh, this is what it feels like. So the doctor's insane as well. And he says, but I've never heard him speak. And then Michael, he puts Michael in the, in the back unconscious. You know, drags him into the back and puts him next to Alison across the back seats. And then Michael obviously wakes up and kills the doctor. He, it's quite inventive. He, he kicks like the grill that separates the, the front and back of the, the sheriff's car and kind of kills him against the steering wheel. Obviously, that's a homage to the original as well. And then the doctor ends up outside the car and he stamps on his skull. And that, that was pretty graphic. I was kind of thinking, oh, did you really need to? It's the only point near where I thought, did you really need to do that? And it's right in your face. No pun intended. It, this head spot's right in your face. And they even go back to it and linger on it. And you're like, yeah, all right, we get the idea. And, and then, you know, I, I did find this film, though, you do doubt your own eyes. So there's points where I'm sure that I saw Michael sat in the car without his mask when the cops arrive. And obviously during all this, Alison manages to escape to the fields. And you see it goes back to Laurie's house. And there's and obviously they're locking down the house. And there's a Wendy house that I thought was like a copy of Laurie's when she was Little, but apparently it's supposed to resemble Michael Myers' childhood house. And again, sorry for the sniffing, the uh, the music soundtrack was great. This was done by John Carpenter, his son and his nephew, apparently. And so the husband goes outside because a police car shows up and they're not answering. And you're thinking, oh, it's... ah, that's right, because there's a, there's a scene where there's two officers and they see the sheriff, well, they see Will Patton's character's his car. That's a tongue twister. And he doesn't respond, so they go up to the cop car and you think, oh, this isn't going to end well. And then it goes it goes back to, to Laurie's house and the husband goes outside to, to meet this cop car. And, um, and he's armed because Laurie's armed and all, but he got the, the smallest gun and I'm thinking he's going to die because he's got the smallest gun. And 
Yep, he, you know, Michael appears out of the shadows and kills him. I mean, that's the only part of the film where I thought, oh, that's a bit stupid. The police car shows up and, you, and he, no one answers, so he walks out to it. Like. But he's worried about his daughter. And like I said, it, it, it's in character for him because he's been very kind of cynical of that. Cynical is the wrong word, but obviously he just sees Laurie as this traumatized woman who banned, who who gave his daughter uh, gave his wife up when she was little and bloody blah blah. So that was really well explained, wasn't it? Bloody blah blah. Anyway, so he's dead, and then Laurie puts her daughter in the basement and says, "Stay there." And Michael throws his hands through the through the door and I thought oh god he's going to kill Larry he's going to kill her and she manages to blow a few of his fingers off I think two fingers of his left hand his pinky and the one next to it the ring finger and you know she goes downstairs and she says to, to her daughter you know I was wrong to raise you the way I did but at least I can protect you and she goes around the house and she checks all the rooms and she she shuts them down. So shutters fall in every doorway. And then you see Alison is running to her grandma's and she runs into her grandma's practice area, which is full of mannequins that she's been shooting and she freaks out. So you're really starting to see there how she is becoming like Laurie in the original. She's slowly but surely becoming more and more traumatised and more detached. From, well, not detached from reality, but more hyper alert about things. And you see that Laurie's still a fighter. There's tension in in one of the scenes where Laurie's in one of the rooms and she thinks Michael's in there. She's, you can tell if she's frightened. She's almost in her breathing trying to stop herself having a panic attack. And he, he fights her and he, he, uh, he throws her off the balcony. So that's all like a flashback to the original. He looks out and he uses the same music as well and she's disappeared like he did at the end of the original. And I put down that, what did I write down here? Oh yeah, I thought he'd stabbed Laurie as well, which he had done actually. And it's a, uh, yeah, so I put it, it's a homage to the, to the original film. But it's not a rip-off. You know, it's respectful. It never it never trades purely on the fan service. And you know, the You're the New Loomis was a really good um red herring. And then obviously if Laurie's disappeared and the daughter thinks she's he's killed her. And Michael wrenches the, the safe the the safe room open. And then the daughter seems to be kind of like, oh, I can't do it, mum, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And breaking down, and then Michael steps out and she goes, gotcha, and shoots him in the face. And, like, the jaw, I think it is. And she's, the Laurie says, happy Halloween, Michael, and appears out of the darkness and stabs him. And then the, the, grand, the granddaughter arrives and she fights him as well. And they manage to trap him in the safe room but it's not a safe room it's a trap bars come across and it there's there's gas uh pipelines everywhere um with like hot elements next to them when they flick a switch and it sets the whole house on fire 
and you see Michael just stood amongst the flames. And then Laurie and her daughter and her granddaughter flag down a passing truck and get in it. And then you see the house completely on fire. Um, and Michael is like no longer in the, you can't see him where he was stood in the basement. And then at the end of the after scene credits, you, you hear him breathing. So obviously he survived. Because of course he has. <laughs> That's, you know, it wouldn't. So overall, you know, I think that was, that was a better sequel to Halloween than Halloween 2 was, in my opinion. The music was great. You know, it, it was, it was really entertaining film. It really was, you know, and considering it's like what the 12th Halloween or something like that, you're really not expecting it at this point to, to pull it out of the bag, but it, it did. Hence why there's a, there's two sequels on the way. There's Halloween kills, which is just, I think it's just been released in cinemas. So I'll definitely be going to see that. And there's Halloween ends that comes in 2023, I believe. So, yeah, if you can get a copy of this one. I mean, obviously nothing beats the original. But Halloween, the two, 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 the 2018 version. Absolutely cracking. Absolutely cracking. A great one to watch on Halloween. No pun intended. So, yeah. So, thank you for listening. If you can head over to Podchaser and give me a review i'd really appreciate it just gives me an idea of what you like we don't like so much what what film would you like me to review uh, do you have a favorite film or a film that you've always wanted to see but you're not sure of just let me know and i'll uh catch you again